Christian Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost for the week of November 10th, 2019. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I am excited, but yet also a little conflicted as we're coming to the end of the year, the church year that is, being that this is one of the last readings that we have from Luke, and I think this has been a really great year of going through the book of Luke. I know that there's only a couple more Sundays left. I'm also kind of excited this week that I don't have 10 readings to go through to be able to get something together for for this week's podcast. But I think there's also some really interesting lessons that we can still pick up from this week. So it's kind of bittersweet as we're slowly putting a bow here on Luke and we will then be transitioning here within the next few weeks into the book of Matthew which should be exciting. It's something new and different again this upcoming year for me, but I think it's also hard to necessarily put away these Gospels texts that we've been kind of working through, so it's been kind of fun. But before we get into that, I have to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, it helps give me, since I am not an ordained minister, some direction on where to bring this podcast on a week-to-week basis to be able to bring this to you. And being able to listen to literally professors who teach at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota with Joy J. Moore, Matt Skinner, Caroline Lewis, and Ralph Jacobson leading that podcast. It really helps me with some ideas, some direction on how to bring this to you on a week-to-week basis. So if you haven't checked that out, I'd highly recommend it. Second of all, the plug that I typically make, and again, I'm going to continue to plug, if you have not checked out God Friended Me, I'd highly recommend it. It's just a great show. I think it's an interesting show to see how God works through people. And I think at times we are easy to forget that. And it's so common for us to, at times, not be seeing what God is doing in our own lives. And so we need those reminders, we need those hints, we need those clues to be able to keep our eyes open and aware to see how God is using us, but also using the people around us. Which leads beautifully into the Twitter question from last week, which is, where as an individual and as a church can we unite instead of divide? Where are you seeing saints around you? And one of the ways that I see saints around me is through talking and communicating with people. I think even as me being a person who likes and sees God typically more out in nature, I can definitely see God's presence as a saint working through people, being able to be that ear when I need it. And sometimes it presents itself in the way of getting that advice that I really need. But one of the ways, if I'm looking and being honest as an individual and as a church, how we need to look at uniting, I have been really convicted over this last week plus and really thinking about how so much of the Christian church really can agree on the same stuff, but yet we love putting denominations or that I am a this instead of a Christian in front of what we are that I was raised as this instead of just saying I'm a Christian with this slant. 
And I think there's a point where I really hope in my lifetime that that changes. I think there's a point where we need to start labeling ourselves as Christians first because it starts to show that there are a lot of things that we can actually agree upon instead of just arguing back and forth. And I think that's one of the things that actually is kind of interesting with this week's text. We are arguing about human things instead of actually getting to the meat and potatoes of what God is really trying to teach us. So with that lead-in, let's jump into the gospel text this week out of Luke, his 20th chapter, coming from verses 27 through 38. The Sadducees, which again are some leaders within the church, leaders, a specific group of people who are very devote to the Jewish faith at that time, bring up this question of Old Testament law, that if a woman is married and dies, that the brothers can marry this woman and continue to do that. And then they lay out the scenario that just is kind of a bit crazy that there are seven of them and that all the men die and then they keep marrying this woman and that they die childrenless. But who is the married person in heaven? And Jesus kind of comes back with, this is a human thing. This is a world thing that you guys have are dealing with and fighting over. This is not a me thing. When we get to heaven, that isn't a concern. There are other things that are much greater concerns. And it's understanding that, again, that we are made alive through Christ is really the focus of what we should be focusing on instead of who are we wed to in heaven. The first reading is from Job chapter 19, verses 23 through 27a. And this is this revelation coming to Job of how God is in us, among us, around us, and it is with that we give him everything that we have, that that he knows that the Redeemer lives and will continue to show himself among us and really be presentable and present for us in the time of need. And it actually ties in very well with the alternative first reading from the minor prophet of Haggai, chapter 1, verse 15b through chapter 2, verse 9. This is a very short book. It's only two chapters long. It goes through the process of a new king comes over Judea and is willing to let the people go back. And it's the process of the Israelites going back to their homeland and rebuilding the temple. And the questions come up of, are we building this too fast? Are we putting enough money into it is something that this prophet brings up. But then also the lack of trust in a way that we have at times for God and that Haggai brings up again of why are we having so little faith that we're saying that this isn't splendid enough because of the temple that was there before was absolutely gorgeous and there's multiple things talking about how Samuel had built this absolutely gorgeous temple that had been torn down. But yet here Haggai is reminding that we are dealing with the Lord of hosts who can provide anything to us. 
and will move mountains essentially to be able to show the presence of God and his will put in and help us put into the house, the temple, what God sees as relevant in the temple and kind of reminding the people of that. The psalm this week is Psalm 17 verses 1 through 9. And this kind of continues to echo that type of theme is that realizing and understanding that God is this provider and it's the love that he has for us that is being presented. And thus, when we are understanding that, we should be trying to glorify that and also letting God do work. Let him be able to have his presence shown and spread among us. The second reading is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 and 13 through 17. This reading, I find it's a really kind of an interesting reading with how they dice it up. The first half of the reading, so verses 1 through 5, is talking about Jesus coming back and what we should be kind of looking for and expecting and understanding the power of what God is doing and being ready and mentally prepared and physically prepared for when that happens and trusting that then when we get to 13 through 17 that our price has been paid for And that it's through the Spirit of God that we should then continue to go out and share this message about Christ coming again. And being in this place of comfort knowing that Christ has done the legwork essentially for us. Now we just need to do the actual product. The price has been paid so we might as well do it type of idea. So how does this all tie to science? And I'm going to focus a lot on the gospel text this week because I think it comes back around, but then it weaves through these other texts. Jesus is pointing out, shooting a hole through this Old Testament law by stating, essentially, that we are focusing on human things and not focused enough on divine things and realizing that divine things are different than how we are interpreting them. And I think that plays perfectly into scientific hypothesis, hence why we have to have hypothesis, because it's this idea of until we have evidence and multiple evidence to support something, as we've talked about scientific law and theory in the past, it's the idea that we can't throw out bad ideas. Essentially, that God is still in these processes, and there's a point where if we think of science as trying to figure out how God did it and why God did it, and figuring out the essence of God, there is times from our human understanding we're not going to understand things. There are going to be processes that are going to take time for us to understand, and some of them we may not fully understand in this lifetime. And it might take multiple lifetimes for people to understand why it is the way that it is. And we may not fully ever understand. Like any good scientific question, you will hear a scientist say, a question when it is answered provides five more questions. So this whole idea that we're constantly trying to 
understand the next thing. And just when we think that that closes the door on something, that really more opens it up to what does this then mean? It's one of the things when you look at the climate crisis that makes it so difficult to predict because there is so many variables that are being played and tossed around at one time. And it's hard to understand when you pull one of these Plinko sticks, what is it going to do to the marbles? How many marbles are going to fall out? Is it a complete collapse or is it just movement of the marbles or is it that you only lose a couple at this time? When we're looking at the product and trying to figure out which Plinko stick is going to have the least amount of impact as you play that game, it's very difficult to figure that out. And sometimes what we don't think has a major effect does have a major effect. There's a lot of times in science when we're looking at things and we're trying to figure things out, we don't quite understand what it all means. We're still trying to figure out black holes and what does that do? We know that even light is destroyed? Question mark. We don't know where they go. We don't know what happens. We know that it sucks things in and we don't find out where they come out. I know that there's another one here in the northern part of the United States called Devil's Kettle, that there's this hole that goes into a kettle and multiple times put different things down there to try to see where this water goes and we haven't been able to figure out where it goes. And is it that it's revealing something new that's going to change how we perceive that area? If we ever figure it out, maybe. Science is helping us understand and comprehend the new, the different idea. Jesus in this text is helping us remember that God is so much bigger than at times our own brain can comprehend. And there's times that we focus on simple things that are human things that really distract us from the overall message. It's one of the reasons why, like I brought up in last week's Twitter question, why I really feel that we need to get back to the idea of being Christians and not denominations. It's a human thing. That's not a Christ thing. And it's through stating that I am a Christian, maybe with this slant, that we then are recognizing that there is a core values that we can agree upon that is from Christ himself in the teachings that we have from Christ. We get that in Job, where Job is stating that he knows his Redeemer lives. It's that fact is essential to who he is. He knows that in all this chaos that has gone on around him throughout the book of Job, yet he knows that his God is still at the heart of whatever is going on. Haggai reminding the people that even as we're building this temple to continue to give to God and trust that God will provide because he's there, he will do things in his time. It's not in our time. And we struggle with this. We struggle with the idea of that we're not in control. But that's part of being a Christian. And it's part of actually a major part of science that we're just trying to understand what is going on. It does not mean that it's in our control. And it's one of the things where 
I find it funny with having more of an ecology slant that it's a major part of ecology is understanding there is so many variables that play whenever you're in some type of ecological setting to even study one thing that there's a lot of the variables that we essentially are listing that are present that could or could not affect the results. And it makes it difficult to fully at times be able to get through all the noise, but it's also being representative of understanding that we are not in control. We are not the ones who are pulling all the strings. We can try to eliminate as many variables as possible, but yet we are not in control. We see that some in the psalm, but especially in the second Thessalonians, the second reading, Christ is coming again, and we know that he's coming again, and we know what he has told us, so then we must do, because we do not know when he is coming again. And in a lot of ways, we know somewhat what we should be looking for, but yet in a lot of ways, we really don't. He told us certain things, but especially when we look back on the gospel text, the ways that he might be working, they're still true, just might not be the way that we think. Coming from verse 3 of the Second Thessalonians reading, from chapter 2, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the lawless one is revealed the one destined for destruction. We have ideas on what that means. But when we tie this together with the gospel text and we're thinking about this, do we really know what that means? What's the rebellion? We assume it's a rebellion against the faith, but is it? Could we argue that it's also a rebellion against the creation in which we were here to inhabit? Or is it a rebellion of a totally different other nature? How many times throughout human history have we felt that that rebellion is now? And this is not to cast doubt. This is more to open up the eyes of understanding that there's still the point of God could be coming at any time. But it's also that through that, understanding that we have been sanctified through the salvation of Christ, that then we are called to continue to do the work as if God is here any day. And to not be surprised when we're throwing out crazy hypothesis within the science field, it's sometimes because we really do not know. And it's through that lack of knowledge that it could be. It's through the humbling of the self to realize that there are still things to understand and to comprehend. And even as we figure out some of the processes of what is going on, it doesn't always the answer the field. question the way that we want. A good example of this has happened in the physics field. I'll attach a video down below talking about this much more. They know the answer to a physics question. They know what the answer has to be. The issue is they haven't figured out how to get to that answer. They haven't figured out why. We know what the answer is based off of what has gone on in the world, and we can use that equation and multiple other things to calculate things to make it work. But to get the numbers to work, to get that initial original equation to work, there's one variable in there we have not figured out why it has to be that. 
and multiple people have worked on it for centuries. It's one of the great problems within physics. The number that I'm referencing is 1 over 137, which is the fine structure constant, or alpha. But what we do know, based off of some other constants that we have, that this is a fundamental constant coming from nature. But the issue is, is we haven't been able to figure out how to get that number and why. Why is it 1 over 137? Because it has to be that number. Because if it isn't, all these other calculations throughout physics to the forces of gravity are off. And that doesn't work. This is just, to me, very similar to what we're talking about here. We get caught up at times about all the fuss of the human mind and we're trying to at times tap into in a case like this like alpha to the mind of god and trying to understand literally one of the constants that help build the universe help build what we have around us today and yet we struggle with that because we haven't figured out what variables do we need to be getting to to get to that constant. It's the inverse of what this situation is, but it's also exactly what Jesus is talking about. There are things at this point, and that's what science is at times trying to figure out, that we just don't get, and that's okay. And that's where science is going to still continue to try and to figure out, and at some point, Maybe we will, but like any good science question, the moment we figure that out is still going to lead to multiple questions, which is still going to lead us to more questions about figuring out who God is. At times, we get caught up about these different things about our own faith or these things that are human-created problems. And then we lack the foresight to fully understand the God who is behind all of it and the values and structure and life progression and the things that are really important to God that he's trying to teach us. And instead, we get caught up and settle with these human problems instead of focusing on bigger God issues. So the Twitter question will be this week is where do you see us getting caught up and hung up on human issues that's distracting us from helping us possibly understand God issues? So where do we get hung up on human issues that cause a distraction from us maybe focusing from us focusing on a bigger God issue? I know I've brought up the church a lot. I think there's a lot of places within government around the world where we are getting caught up with human issue, even a human-wide issue. We get caught up on one part of it. I think there's times where we get caught up in the idea of how does this affect humankind instead of how does this affect the worldwide kind? How does this affect the planet? Where are there other places that you see that? I would love to hear your responses. Feel free to shoot me an email or respond to the tweet. It's one of the issues, again, that gets closely tied up with where humans struggle with change. And it's one of the beautiful things that science can bring is change for the good and for the bad. And sometimes it's from this that it forces us to get out of these ideas of just focusing on 
the human side of faith, that it gets us into these deeper conversations about what really matters and trying to get to the essence of understanding God at a much deeper level. Getting to questions that we may or may not be able to actually ever understand entirely until we actually go home. But it's okay to ponder, it's okay to hypothesize, and it's okay to try. Because in the world in which we're in, sometimes instead of fighting, it's maybe looking and trying to find the question that just seems out there and seeing if God is there. And sometimes it means trying to figure out what the heck 1 over 137 means. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.